0: The following episode contains major plot points that may spoil movies for some viewers. A spoiler warning is now in effect.
1: Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Abbey Normal Podcast. I'm your host, Colin. And I'm Aaliyah. And we are continuing our Saw series. Yep. With the last two of the series before Spiral.
0: If we even get around to getting Spiral, because I've been going to different shops and stuff, and I haven't been able to get my hands on a physical DVD copy of Spiral, so... I don't really know if it's available. All I know is that it's available to rent online. They which,
1: should have it at Walmart.
0: No, um, not really. I mean, it's not for nothing. It's not an old movie, but it's not new. It's fairly new. It was released within the last, like, five years, so it's not new by our standards.
1: I'm surprised we didn't even find it at the uh, uh, Barnes & Noble that we were at the other week.
0: Well, we were there for a while, and they had quite the collection. They just didn't have everything we were looking for. They had all the Universal monster movies.
1: And they had uh, almost all the Alfred Hitchcock stuff.
0: I know, I found a copy of Rear Window and I got so excited and I picked it up and then we went and looked further in their collection and they actually had a five movie pack of Alfred Hitchcock originals. So they had The Birds, Psycho, Rear Window, Vertigo, and North by Northwest. Now the last two I haven't seen, but the first three are like my top three favorite Alfred Hitchcock films. Mm -hmm. So I find those very interesting. So I'm happy. It was a good purchase.
1: Yeah, it was a good purchase. There was definitely um, a big percentage saving.
0: But even still, even if we can't get our hands on Spiral, we will probably do just an episode of recapping the traps.
1: Yeah, the counts, the kill counts.
0: Well, not the kill counts, but just the traps. Like going over them and reviewing our favorite ones. Anything you want to talk about before we get into Saw 3D?
1: Not that I know of. Do you want to talk about something?
0: Not that I can think of.
1: Yeah, so let's go into Saw 3D.
0: Okay, so Saw 3D, even though it's Saw 3D, it's the seventh Saw film in the franchise. It was released on October 29th of 2010. It has a runtime of an hour and 30 minutes, and it was directed by Kevin Gruttert, who directed the last film, Saw 6. It's the most successful film in the franchise since Saw 4, which really? was released. Yeah, it was released in 2007, and this is the most successful in the franchise. That's weird. It's the first Saw film to have a budget of over $11 million U.S. dollars, and this film had a budget of approximately $17 million due to the complexity of shooting in 3D. And in 2009, producers viewed the original Saw film converted to 3D, and they were impressed and decided that this film would be shot in 3D, which is why it's in 3D.
1: And it's quite amazing through, like, what, 2003 all the way to 2006? Seven, there was no like, t- all the way to 2010 there was that many saw films yeah like it's quite impressive like kind of like the same way how friday the 13th films were made almost every year in the 80s yeah yeah because i think there was a uh i think there was one year that they didn't make them i forgot mm-hmm. but yeah but they made like eight or nine of them throughout like from 1980 all the way to 89
0: so this film stars tobin bell as john kramer in flashbacks Costas Mandelar as Mark Hoffman, Betsy Russell as Jill Tuck, Sean Patrick Flannery as Bobby Deegan. He mm. was keen to take the part in the film since he was a big fan of the franchise.
1: Yeah.
0: Chad Danella as Agent Gibson, Carrie Elowes re- returns as Lawrence Gordon, and Chester Bennington from Lincoln Park plays Evan, and he was consulting with a acting coach for his role in the film.
1: Huh. Yeah. I'm surprised they ch- they chose him to be in the film.
0: Well, I'm very impressed to see that he's in this movie because I mean his character is very short lived on screen. But when I f- first saw this film and I saw that his like his scene starts and he wakes up in the car and I'm like, is that Chester Bennington? And then I had to pause and look it up and I was so shocked to see it was Chester Bennington.
1: Oh yeah.
0: And Gabby, probably
1: the only film he did.
0: I don't know. I have to look up his filmography if he mm-hmm. has a extensive filmography but Gabby West who plays Kara won her role in this film through the show Scream Queens like we mentioned last week
1: Mm mm-hmm
0: yep Kevin Kevin Grudert's wife Elizabeth Rowan plays Sarah she's a fan who asks Bobby for his autograph for his book and Tobin Bell played Jigsaw ten times which is eight times on film and twice as the voice of his character John Kramer for Mm -hmm. the Saw video games
1: huh
0: Yep, And the synopsis goes, As a deadly battle rages over Jigsaw's brutal legacy, a group of Jigsaw survivors gather to seek the support of self-help guru and fellow survivor Bobby Dagan. I think it's Dagan or Deegan. I don't know.
1: I think it's Deegan.
0: Uh, A man whose own dark secrets unleash a new wave of terror. I know you haven't seen still any of the other Saw films.
1: Yeah, which is okay, but it's kind of like... Kind of teaches me this, which is cool, you know?
0: This one had an interesting premise because Bobby Deegan is a very weird character. How weird? I mean, I'm going to eventually give away the ending a bit, but Bobby Deegan isn't actually a Jigsaw survivor. He was never a victim of John Kramer's. Oh, was he a
1: fake? He was
0: a fraud.
1: Oh, the one who made the book, right? Yeah, he wrote a book.
0: Remember you talked about this. Yeah, he wrote a fictitious book about how he survived one of Jigsaw's traps and lived to tell the tale. And bastard. Yeah, and he played a lot of fucking people. And some people in his inner circle that we'll get into throughout the plot kind of all knew (laughs) about the secret except for his wife who suffers the most of this oh, out of everybody in his inner circle. Shit. Yeah, it's not fun. I mean, I think it's funny <laughs> to actually put somebody who claims to be a victim. But they're not. It's just, it's, it's weird. I mean, it's not uncommon, because it seems like whenever these types of tragedies happen to people, you're going to get some... I almost want to say randos. You're going to get certain randos who come out of the woodwork claiming to be survivors and they're not. They're yeah. either like hoaxes or fakes or...
1: They're trying to get their 15 minutes of fame and right. that's why they're doing this shit.
0: Right. And Bobby does this for a very selfish reason and I don't know if it's going to be brought up.
1: Well, that's why he should be punished by Jigsaw.
0: Technically, yes, but we'll get into that. Or in a Kramer
1: or whoever the hell it is.
0: Well, we still have Mark Hoffman still acting as Jigsaw's surviving apprentice, Mm. or so we think. Because, like I said, this is the first film that we've seen Lawrence Gordon in since the first film, Mm. which I was intrigued. So, anyway, some pre-production behind-the-scenes facts. It was originally intended by the writers to be two films. It was going to be titled Saw the Final Chapters, Parts 1 and 2, with Carrie Elwis' return being in the finale of part one, and then part two would tie everything up. After Saw 6 in 2009 didn't do well at the box office, Lionsgate decided that the two parts would be turned into a single film. The producers and writers stated that lost elements from the original two part script might be used in the future sequels or prequels. Carrie Elwes has reprised his role as his character, Dr. Gordon, from Saw, like I mentioned.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Disputes over his salary caused him to file a lawsuit and, as a result, decline opportunities to return for previous films in the series when offered. However, after the lawsuit was finally settled out of court, Elwes agreed that he would return for what was thought to be the final entry in the series. This is the last time Elwes appears in a film for the Saw franchise series.
1: That's cool. I mean, at least he's willing to forgive and also wanting to get back into doing this.
0: Yeah, but I think writing-wise, it's a good move because it does give us an explanation as to what happened to Gordon after the first Saw film. But what bothers me is that even when we get to the ending of this film it doesn't really explain what happens next. Mm. Is Gordon going to carry on Jigsaw's legacy? Is he going to be the apprentice that carries it on when Hoffman is no longer in the picture? Yeah. We don't know. We don't know. And that's kind of what I didn't like about this film. It's overwhelming but underwhelming at the same time. You know what I mean?
1: So it's in-between-whelming.
0: It adds some interesting aspects that I enjoyed. <laughs> while adding things in that I didn't really find were necessary.
1: Yeah, there was things that were that could be in it, but then there was stuff that shouldn't be in it, but was in it anyway. Right. And that's not always good.
0: Yeah. It had the longest pre-production schedule of any Saw film. The complexity of the 3D process inflated the usual nine-week prep into 21 weeks, and all of the trap scenes were shot last. Which, the trap scenes are pretty interesting. I still liked the one merry-go-round trap that was discussed in the last film. Huh. But this one had some pretty interesting ones.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Hmm. In a Massachusetts branch of showcase cinemas, this film was accidentally screened instead of the 3D animated <laughs> film Mega Mind, which traumatized its young audience. <laughs> Can you? Imagine.
1: That is so funny.
0: Can you imagine just being somebody going to see Megamind in a movie theater in the year 2010? You put on your 3D glasses, and the Lionsgate title card comes on. Title card. No, I I know it's not a title card, but you see the Lionsgate production logo pop up Mm -hmm. on the screen, and you're like, I Mm -hmm. thought this was a DreamWorks movie.
1: Lionsgate.
0: Lionsgate. Mm -hmm. And then... You open up and Bam. it's a fucking like a, trap scene. Yeah, I think
1: you know. It's funny. What? I would if I was there in that movie. I'd be like Michael Jackson in the theater seats eating the popcorn,
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> all happy and like yes.
0: Over twenty-five gallons of fake blood was used in the film, more than two and a half times the amount used in <sighs> Saw Two.
1: Damn. Right. Well, you know, more blood the better. Right. Mm-hmm. More blood the merrier. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so the plot, and like I usually do, we'll go into the plot, and along the way, I'm going to interject some behind-the-scenes stuff, and we'll interject with our own thoughts along the way, okay? hmm So Dr. Lawrence Gordon has survived his test after sawing off his foot to escape from the bathroom, using a steam pipe to cauterize, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that word correctly, but I believe it's cauterize his ankle stump. Yeah. Five years later, another game takes place in a home improvement storefront at a shopping center. Mm -hmm. Brad and Ryan are chained to opposite sides of a work table secured to a sliding carriage with power saws while their mutual lover, Dina, is suspended above a third saw. The men have 60 seconds to shove the saws into their opponent to save Dina, who had manipulated both of them into fulfilling her needs by committing crimes shit realizing her betrayal ryan and brad reach a truce and allow dina to be bisected wow this is probably one of the most impressive traps i've ever seen because it's a public trap like they're literally showcased in a glass storefront you know like when you walk by a department store and you see the yeah. mannequins in the window that's what they're in
1: huh.
0: and they're they're on display for an entire crowd of people to watch.
1: I can just see with that scene where they both band together and then killed her. Oh, I could yeah. see the song My Friends Over You by Newfound Glory going into that.
0: But you want to know what was really fucked that up though? That would be though? pretty funny. Well, yeah. you want to know what's really fucked up though is how they came to that conclusion in the first place. So once the game starts and the saws are starting to whirl, Dina starts to be lowered inch by inch onto the middle saw. And she's rooting for one of the guys to kill the other. Which the other is sitting there like, what are you doing? Like, Like, I thought you loved me. Right. He's like, I thought you loved me. And then when that guy pushes his saw into the other guy, she starts to flip. And starts rooting for the other guy who she just encouraged guy number one to kill. And they're like, looking at each other like, is she even fucking worth it? No. So they let her die.
1: Mm-hmm. Bros, man. You know, <laughs> bros gotta stick together, this, man. Because that one girl is not worth it if it's going to root each one.
0: This was truly a bros before hoes scenario played out in a horror film. I mean... This
1: is why I think of My Friends Over You by Newfound
0: Wow. Oh, I thought you were talking about your real life.
1: No, 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 not in my situation. No, the song by Newfound Glory, My oh Friends my Over God. You. That's all I can think of when I hear about this scene.
0: I was not thinking that, so you're going with it? Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: This scene required 400 extras. What? Yeah, you know what an extra is? I it's know like, what an extra yeah. is. Why 400? Because it's a public s- scene. Ugh, it's gross. a it's a public trap set up, so they got to have a big crowd of people. Gross. To make it impactful. Yeah. An unused concept for the opening trap was that it would be placed on top of a high building. And the idea being that in order to survive, one of the victims would have to be pushed or have to push the other off, essentially.
1: Huh.
0: And the original intention with the opening scene in the shop window was that it would, be, it would end with the reveal that Jigsaw was watching the action unfold in the crowd. The timeline would mean that he was still alive at this point, and standing beside him would have been his accomplice, Dr. Gordon.
1: Not Dr. Gordon.
0: Oh, yeah. You didn't know that? Dr. Gordon was actually an apprentice Cary, all along? Carrie
1: Wells, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. What's his last name?
0: I thought it was Elvis or something. Elvis? Yeah. I might be mispronouncing it, too. I mean, I'm, again, terrible yeah. with names.
1: I mean, we're butchers, you know? We don't butcher meat. We just butcher names.
0: After witnessing Mark Hoffman's escape from his trap, Jill Tuck seeks help from internal affairs detective Matt Gibson and offers to incriminate Hoffman in exchange for protection and immunity. Meanwhile, Hoffman abducts a gang of white supremacists and places them in a trap in an abandoned junkyard and kills all of them. Good. Now, this does not come without just some random fucking reason. But The Garage Trap was written for an earlier film in the series, but the producers felt it was, quote, too disturbing to show in a film. For an unknown reason, they finally allowed it to be filmed. And it was originally scripted that Evan, played by Chester Bennington, would survive his trap. However, since Chester was on a tight schedule, he was unavailable for the scene that would show Evan being taken to the hospital. So they rewrote it so his character would die. Good. Although never mentioned in the film, there is a two-month time lapse from Jill's testimony in the Internal Affairs Department until Bobby Deegan's game, which is the main plot of the film. This time period was enough for Hoffman's injuries to heal and for the preparation of Bobby Deegan's game. You
1: know what's funny? What? I was going to say that Chester's character Mm -hmm. honestly had tried really hard. He tried to get far. But I know what I'm, you're
0: doing, you little troll. <laughs> I know what you're doing, don't but, go there.
1: But no, but honestly, though, because in the end of his demise, it doesn't really matter.
0: I hate you, I love Lincoln Park, but I hate you right now. Okay, so Lincoln
1: shu- one, Colin zero.
0: Shut up, anyway. <laughs> Hoffman abducts Bobby Deegan, a self-help guru who achieved fame and fortune by fabricating a story of his own survival of a jigsaw trap. Bobby awakens in an abandoned psychiatric hospital and is informed that he has one hour to save his wife, Joyce, who is chained to a steel platform that gradually pulls her down as she watches Bobby's progress. After escaping from a cage hanging over a floor of spikes, Bobby navigates his way through the asylum attempting to complete his other tests to rescue Nina, his publicist, Suzanne, his lawyer, and Kale, his best friend, all of whom knew about Bobby's lies and aided him in fabricating his story. Despite his efforts, all of them are killed in their respective traps. Bobby reunites with Joyce after pulling out two of his own teeth to obtain the combination for the lock on the door to her room. It's interesting. And like I said, the plot layout that I pull from Wikipedia is not really detailed enough, but essentially each of their traps are very sensory oriented. Hmm. So with Nina, she couldn't they, they couldn't make any sound louder than a whisper. Otherwise these metal needles would have pierced her throat.
1: Yeah. Would have killed her.
0: Yeah, but to get the key that he, Bobby needed to free her from the trap, he had to pull it from a hook in her body, out of her mouth. Ugh. So as he's pulling the thread out with the key and hook attached to it, it's scarring up the inside of her stomach, esophagus, Ugh. and she's crying out in pain.
1: That's so gross.
0: It's gross, and it's unsettling. It's but grotesque. It's very, It's very effective.
1: Oh, my God. And it's killing her little by little.
0: Yeah, because either way... Her entire insides could be scarred up by the threading and the the hook. And no one wants that. But the screaming alone causes the needles to penetrate her neck and she dies. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah, and then I think Suzanne, his lawyer, she's strapped to like a, a board of some kind and it lifts her up in like a 90 degree angle and it's lined up with these barbs that line up with her eyes and mouth. And essentially, all he has to do is lift up these heavy weights to keep her from going into the barbs.
1: And is it working?
0: Not really, because he has no way of freeing her from...
1: And they're too big for him? Like too
0: They're strong. too heavy. He can't hold it up long enough you know, to save her.
1: He might like break his legs or something.
0: All he had to do was hold it up for like five minutes, and he couldn't even do that. Weakling. Yeah. Anyway. I could
1: have done it for five minutes, and I would have been good.
0: Right. And then... Kale, or Cal, or whatever the fuck his best friend's name is. Because
1: they have strong quads, that's why. Anyway,
0: the point is, his best friend Cal is blindfolded, but he's got a noose hung around his neck, and he's got to walk through a room with no floors. It's just boards on beams. So he's got to walk his way through. He's got to walk on that. Yeah, so Bobby's got to instruct Cal where to step on these planks of wood to go across the room to get the key needed to unlock...
1: But did it work?
0: Nope. Because Bobby, being a little bitch he is, grabs the key, but doesn't make the effort to try to go get Cal the key. Get upset. He tries to, he tries to toss it to him, knowing his friend can't see shit, and he misses the key. It falls straight through the floor, and it, he ends, his friend ends up getting hung up.
1: That's... Sucks.
0: It's terrible, because all three of these people who never should have fucking helped him suffered and Mm -hmm. died because of this. But his wife gets the absolute worst, and she never even knew it was all a lie. That's the shitty part about it. But we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, That
1: sucks. (laughs) So
0: Bobby pretends to be a survivor of one of Jigsaw's games and creates an acronym called SURVIVE. That relates to the lessons he learned from his false experience. When he actually takes part in Jigsaw's game, the phrases his acronym stands for are scrawled on the various walls and doors of the hospital.
1: I mean, for a fake, he knows what he's doing. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, other than that, yeah,
0: no. So Agent Gibson discovers the location of Bobby's game and sends a SWAT team who are sealed in another room and are killed by toxic gas.
1: Mm.
0: Finding Hoffman's command center, Gibson realizes that he gained access to the police station during the games, having been brought into the morgue in a body bag with the intention of finding Jill. Before Gibson can warn the station, he and the officers accompanying him are killed by an automatic turret gun. (sighs) This is the first film in the series to feature a dream sequence. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, that's
1: that's nice. First time for something.
0: Now, this is the part that kind of makes me sad. For his final test, Bobby must reenact the test he claimed to have survived by driving two hooks through his pectoral muscles and hoisting himself above the ceiling to deactivate Joyce's trap. Oh, my God. However... The hooks tear through his flesh and he falls, unable to continue. As the timer expires, a capsule resembling a brazen bull encloses around Joyce and she is incinerated. Do you know what a brazen bowl is?
1: No, explain it to me and our viewers.
0: So a brazen bull was a medieval torture device used to essentially interrogate prisoners. Mm. It was a bronze sort of statue with an opening in the inside where you would lock up your prisoners and then you would stoke fire underneath it. And the metal creates a very hot, intense sensation. It essentially cooks your victim on the inside.
1: So how do you like your inside of your victim?
0: It's a very unsettling scene because, like I said, Bobby faked this whole thing. And his story was he woke up in an empty room with these meat hooks Mm -hmm. and the tape that showed Billy the Puppet that gave Bobby his instructions for the game was that he had to place the hooks in his pectoral muscles, climb up the chains on his pectoral muscles alone to retrieve the key needed.
1: Now that's a workout for your chest.
0: Yeah, but to retrieve the key needed to unlock the door to free himself.
1: I know, but he's got to have strong upper body strength to do that.
0: Here's the problem, though, that I have with that. Jigsaw wouldn't make you do something like that. If he really wanted to fuck with you, you would be waking up in that room with the hooks already in your chest.
1: So you think someone else set this up?
0: No, I think that based on Bobby's fabricated story, somebody wanted him to do this to say, mm. since you're claiming you've done it already before, go ahead, see if your theory works. Because he, his whole story was... Well, the pectoral muscles are the strongest muscles in your body, and they can withstand a lot of weight being pulled before they slice through. Which is not true, isn't it? Because that's so. not what happens here.
1: No. Bobby
0: so. Bobby tries to complete the test needed to save his wife. The hooks do, in fact, slice through his pectoral muscles, and he falls, which causes him to fail the challenge, and he sits there and watches while his wife is cooked to death. What?
1: So they are dead?
0: All of them are dead. I don't know about Bobby, but all of them are dead.
1: All my friends are dead.
0: Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Wait, how's that song go?
0: So, Bobby Deegan is the first test subject to fail to save anyone in their game. Previous test subjects, Jeff Denlin, Officer Daniel Riggs, and William Easton, saved at least one victim in their games. Hmm. So, that's why I always say, depending on who is designing these traps, tells you something about... The people who made them.
1: But there's got to be a happy ending, but there really isn't.
0: It's not a happy ending, not just for Bobby, but for Jill, too. Mm. So meanwhile, Hoffman infiltrates the police station, killing everyone in his path before reaching Jill, whom he kills with the original reverse bear trap. Hoffman then destroys his workshop and begins to leave town, but is subdued by three pig-masked figures, The leader reveals himself to be Dr. Gordon, who became Jigsaw's apprentice after surviving his test, fulfilling a request from John to take immediate action if Jill were to be harmed. Gordon shackles Hoffman in the same bathroom where he was tested. He throws away the hacksaw he had used to escape and seals the door, leaving Hoffman to die. In Soft, Dr. Gordon was wrongly suspected to be, Jigsaw's, to be the Jigsaw Killer. Ironically, this film reveals that his experiences caused him to become Jigsaw's accomplice. So all of these tests that we've seen that have involved people's eyes being sewn shut, their lips being sewn shut, keys being implanted somewhere in their bodies, those are all Gordon's handiwork. Huh. Yeah, in like the last <clears throat> seven films. Interesting. Very interesting. According hmm. to the film producers Orrin Cools and Mark Berg, the idea that Gor- Dr. Gordon throws the hacksaw out of the bathroom away from Hoffman's reach was Carrie Elvis's own. Huh. So that was a like improv moment, and Carrie Elwes was like, "Nope, not for you, but they liked it because I like, oh, okay, now you're leaving him here to die with no other way out. Good for you. And what's really even more sketchy, or I shouldn't say sketchy, it's just very unsettling. His foot, his amputated foot, is still in that room. So as he's walking out of the room, he glances down at his shriveled up dead foot. It's a moment.
1: He didn't say, like, I miss you or anything?
0: It's a mood, okay? It's a fucking mood. It's a mood. And then he, in, like, the first time since Saw 5, I think... Ends the movie by saying game over and then closes the door on Hoffman just like John Kramer did in the first movie.
1: Hmm.
0: I love that. All
1: right. Well, that's good.
0: Yeah, like I said, the film ends exactly the same way in the first Saw film. During the final week of prep, Tobin Bell worked with the writers to hone his character. And in post production stuff, Lion's Gate and Twisted Pictures confirmed that an eighth film was being made and would be released. And October 27th, 2017, the film, titled Jigsaw, was released.
1: Yep. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of funny. And then after that, (coughs) they didn't have a uh, Saw movie for a while.
0: Not for a couple years. Yeah. But anyway, what are your thoughts about this one so far?
1: It's interesting. kind of has everything all come together.
0: I know, and I I really feel like if you are not going to watch the Saw films, at least check out the Kill Count videos. I'll check them because out. those at least highlight all the different traps, and they are very unique.
1: I'm down for that. Yes. No, yeah, I like more the 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 traps and the kill counts really than the dialogue of this movie.
0: The dialogue of this movie is not great, especially yeah, especially this one in particular. I absolutely hated watching that's agent w- gibson in this one
1: that's why i preferred not watching these because the dialogue <laughs> was just a waste of time but the traps and the kill counts if they just kept those in there and just kept it like that movie you know how much more popular it would have been
0: as to say do you want to watch the kill count videos after this i'll think about it yeah they're pretty good they're more digestible that way
1: okay well i want to eat so will you let me eat come on because i'm well, not watching this while i'm eating
0: well they don't really show much because of and guidelines
1: i know well you know my point
0: my point is is that you you should be fine but is there anything else no. you want to say bef- about saw 3d before we no. go into jigsaw
1: No, i think we're good we covered everything so we can go into jigsaw
0: all right, so we are recording this on February 10th, and this will be posted by February 12th. I watched or re Jigsaw today just to kind of get a sense of how I felt about it the second time around. I thought the first time it was really good. Second time, I can kind of see why people didn't really like it. My problem with Jigsaw personally is the fact that this movie does what I wish that it didn't do for almost every single movie since part three. It plays on the fact that John Kramer might still be alive. Because mm. keep in mind, in Saw, by the end of Saw Three. We all watched him get slashed yeah. by Jeff Denlin. Yeah,
1: there's no way he can come back to life like that.
0: Well, by the end of Saw 3, his throat gets slashed by Jeff Denlin. And the opening scene of Saw 4, we watched an entire autopsy scene of this man gang dissected. Mm-hmm. And I know it's not really Topin Bell who's on that table. But the fact that you have created these scenes and this narrative that John Kramer is in fact dead... I don't get what the purpose of this type of narrative in Jigsaw was for. I think it was incredibly underwhelming. Especially when you find out who the real killer is, it's incredibly underwhelming. Mm. But I'll ask you, I'll wait until the end of this whole thing to ask you how you feel.
1: I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to know.
0: So as I said before, Jigsaw was released on October 27th of 2017 and it has a runtime of an hour and 31 minutes. And it was directed by the Spierig brothers, Michael and Peter Spierig. It stars Tobin Bell as John Kramer, Matt Passmore as Logan Nelson, Hannah Emily Anderson as Eleanor Bonneville, Laura Vandervoot as Anna, and Mandela Van Pebbles, or Peebles, as Mitch. I
1: like Pebbles better. I think it's Peebles. Peebles.
0: But my, my other problem is, is like, Hannah Emily Anderson is a great actress, sort of. She looks exactly like Amber Heard. Have you seen a picture of her lately? No. She looks like Amber Heard. And that just made me feel very off-put. The synopsis goes, bodies are turning up around the city, each having met a uniquely gruesome demise. As the investigation proceeds, evidence points to one subject, John Kramer, the man known as Jigsaw who has been dead for over ten years.
1: Oh, wow. Mm-hmm.
0: Some behind-the-scenes facts. Previously called Saw Legacy, the title changed to Jigsaw, making it the first film to have Tobin Bell's character's name displayed in the title, which didn't really need to be a thing, you
1: know? Actually, I kind of like the name Jigsaw.
0: It kind of makes it feel, though, like it's a standalone, like Spiral was. Oh. But even though it has direct ties to the John Kramer plot point. I just didn't think that was necessary. But anyway.
1: I, well I guess they wanted to give it a different name instead of the usual name to give for like movies or like continuing. Like they didn't want to make a Saw 31. No. Just call it Jigsaw.
0: So the tagline for the film, Make America Bleed Again, derives from the motto instilled by former President of the United States, Donald Trump, who inserted the mantra in his electoral speech, Make America Great Again.
1: It is very funny.
0: As part of a traditional blood drive, each person that would donate blood at specific locations during specific times would receive a free ticket to see this film. It started on October 10th of 2017 and ran until October 25th of 2017. The film was specifically written as a way to minimize the torturous and extreme violence of the previous series' installments, instead opting for a feeling of claustrophobia, along with gloss and style. I don't know how I feel about that.
1: Well, they were trying to make this a little more... less gritty?
0: A lot less grittier than the previous films, but I think that's what makes this f- series as a whole interesting.
1: Oh well, Yeah, because they've done so much <clears throat> filth and dirt that maybe for once, hey, maybe we should make it clean.
0: Well, for the, mo- for the majority of the film series, all the set locations have been dirty, run-down buildings and houses and it just has a natural grit to it. To have kind of this gloss and this modern take on this type of franchise, it just seems very out of place, which could be another reason why I felt underwhelmed by this movie. Maybe. Could be. This is the first film that has one of Jigsaw's videos being played on a flat screen. The previous installments feature the instructional videos on various late 90s televisions.
1: Well, they're keeping up with the time, so...
0: But there's an issue I have with it, and we'll get to that when we get to the plot twist of this. Okay? So, we'll get into the plot. Detective Brad Holloran and Keith Hunt pursue Edgar Munson, who claims that he must start a game in exchange for his own survival. He activates a remote trigger and is then shot and collapses. Five people, Mitch, Anna, ryan carly and an unconscious man awaken inside a barn with buckets on their heads and chains around their necks a tape recording from john kramer explains that they must each sacrifice blood to survive before the chains pull them towards a wall of buzzsaws. saws mm. most of the group survives by cutting themselves except for the unconscious man who awakens too late. Their next test reveals that Carly, a a purse snatcher, accidentally caused the death of an asthmatic woman, and to save the others from being hanged, she must inject herself with one of three needles, one with an antidote to a poison in her system, another being saline, and the last one acid. She refuses, so Ryan stabs her with all three, killing her and saving the others. The Buckethead Trap in the Tuck's Pig Farm game pays homage to the first of the series of tests of Luba Gibbs, Ashley, Britt, Malik, and Charles from Saw 5. The players face death on a mounted wall weapon where they are unable to free themselves from their neck restraints. Remember that?
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: What do you think? Pretty cool. I think it's an interesting parallel. And remember, Tuck's Pig Farm, Jill's last name is Tuck. John Kramer's ex-wife. So that's her family's farm that they're in. Ah, cool. Which, again, has more direct ties to John Kramer, but we'll get into the other connections. So Halloran and Hunt investigate the discovery of corpses that appear to be the unconscious man and Carly, whose deaths fit Kramer's modus operandi*, which I know that's a word that's been mentioned before in previous reviews. I... Again, not good with pronouncing certain words. Butcher. But I digress. Halloran becomes suspicious of pathologists Logan Nelson and Eleanor Bonneville. Later, Munson is abducted from the hospital and his corpse is found inside Kramer's grave. Hmm. Yeah, because I guess the commissioner, Detective Hunt's boss, he wanted them to exhume John Kramer's grave to prove that Kramer was indeed dead. Mm -hmm. But when they dug up his grave, they found that Edgar Munson guy from the beginning of the film. Yeah. The one who hit the remote, started the whole thing.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Anyway. It is revealed that Edgar Munson had and I'm going to butcher this disease name and I apologize, (laughs) but it's like Algeski's disease? Which Eleanor confirms is a disease found mostly in pigs and uses that lead to direct them to the Tuck Pig Farm. It is Usually called pseudo rabies in the United States, and is in fact a viral disease in swine that has been endemic in most parts of the world, and it is caused by pseud—I don't know if that's the right word—but pseud herpes virus one. No, really, look at it. It says almost, it right there I on the almost, screen. I
1: almost choked right there, but okay, Herps, pseud herpes virus. Yes. yes. Wow, that's a different type of herpes.
0: I know. I mean, it's not. Anyway, I'm not, a, I'm not a biologist. I wouldn't know. Anyway. Uh,
1: okay, liar.
0: Meanwhile, Ryan attempts to escape the barn, but his leg falls through loose floorboards and is ensnared by wires. Another tape recorder reveals that he will be punished for breaking the rules and must pull a lever to be, quote, set free. Anna and Mitch become trapped inside a silo, forcing Ryan to pull the lever and sever his leg to, re- to rescue them. Eleanor reveals to Logan that she is a Jigsaw fangirl, but now fears this might incriminate her. Yeah, I know. Hunt spies and informs Halloran, and in the barn, Mitch is revealed to have sold a faulty motorcycle to John's nephew, resulting in his death, and is tested by being lowered into a funnel with a spiral-shaped blade powered by a motorcycle engine inside. He attempts to stop the blade, but is ultimately killed. Another direct connection to John Kramer. Mm. Interesting. Eleanor's studio features traps from previous Saw films, such as The Angel Trap, The Water Cube, and The Reverse Bear Trap. The red helix coils from The Spiralizer are patterned after the red cheek swirls on Billy the Puppet. Halloran finds a corpse appearing to be Mitch and Eleanor's studio and calls for her in Logan's arrest. Logan convinces Hutt to let them go after telling him that the bullet which hit Edgar was fired by Hollerin, hmm. whom he and Eleanor suspect is the new Jigsaw killer. Eleanor deduces the game's location and she and Logan depart for the barn with Hollerin in pursuit. Meanwhile, Hunt finds Jigsaw-shaped pieces in of flesh and Holloran's freezer, and at the barn, Anna and Ryan are shackled to pipes at opposite ends of a room. Kramer, John Kramer, confronts them and reveals that Anna suffocated her baby and framed her husband, who eventually committed suicide. That's not cool. Not cool at all, because throughout the entire time of this movie so far, she's been trying to convince people that her husband really did roll over on their baby, and suffocate him to death.
1: But when really it was her who did it.
0: Yes. Ryan caused his friend's death in a car accident. For their final test, he leaves them a shotgun loaded with one shell, saying it is their key to freedom. Anna tries to shoot Ryan, but the gun backfires, killing her. Ryan finds the now-destroyed keys among the debris of the shell, as they had been hidden inside the bullet. Mm Mm-hmm. Logan and Eleanor are are ambushed by Halloran in the barn, and Eleanor escapes while Halloran is drugged by an unseen assailant. Logan and Halloran awaken in collars rigged by laser cutters and are told to confess their sins. Halloran forces Logan to go first, who confesses the mislabeling of John's x-rays years prior, causing his cancer to go undiagnosed. Despite confessing, Logan is apparently killed. Hollorend then admits to allowing criminals to walk free for personal gain and his collar deactivates. Logan is revealed to still be alive and also the unconscious man from the first Barn game. Remember? Yeah. Which occurred ten years prior. Did you did you get the plot twist there? Yeah. So everything that's been going John on John
1: Kramer's still alive.
0: No. Huh. He's very much dead. Oh, okay. But all of these traps that we are we've been talking about now all took place 10 years ago. These new bodies are Logan's recreation of these games. Cuz he apparently was the OG apprentice for Jigsaw many years ago. Oh. And they again, this isn't in the plot here, but when Eleanor built the spiralizer trap that was used on Mitch, hmm. She said that the plans that were designed for that trap were found in one of John Kramer's warehouses. It's been proven that he had built something like this, but it was never found. And there had been no body indicating any sort of injuries received from this type of contraption was ever found either. Okay. So John Kramer had, in fact, used this trap on Mitch. This set of traps here was one of his earlier tests. Because that Cecil guy, the drug addict from the fifth film... Mm -hmm. He was the very first test subject of John Kramer's games. And he did survive, but his... I guess equilibrium when he lunged at John, threw him off, and he landed on barbed wire, which killed him even further. But I'm going off track a little bit.
1: You really are. So
0: anyway, realizing Logan should not die over an honest mistake, John saved him and recruited him as his first apprentice. Logan then reveals that he framed Hollerin as the new Jigsaw Killer as revenge for releasing Edgar, who killed Logan's wife and recreated the barn games using other criminals that Holloran let go as victims. Claiming Holloran broke the rules by forcing him to go first, Logan reactivates the collar, killing Holleran Now, I just want to describe this moment to you. So first of all, you remember the shotgun collar in Part 3 mm-hmm. that Lynn Denlin wears? Yes. It's almost like that. But instead of shotgun barrels, these are laser cutters. So this
1: is more um, advanced?
0: It's way more advanced, and it's a cleaner cut than <coughs> shotgun shells.
1: Yeah, I can see that.
0: The, the effect this kill creates is very much in style of a Demogorgon from Stranger Things. Because this thing cuts into his head like six different ways. And when his when, he, when his body falls to his knees, the impact... Causes his head open up like a flower. And it looks like a Demogorgon from Stranger Things. I mean, I get that. If you watch it, you might find it interesting. But that's just... I wanted to describe that to you because I thought you would get a kick out of it. Honey. What? Stop.
1: You're getting all excited with your hand moving around.
0: (laughs) I know. If you watch me, I look like a little T-Rex, like, just flailing his arms.
1: Yeah, calm down. Anyway. Calm down, T.
0: Upon the film's success, Mm -mm. Twisted Pictures... Greenlit both a ninth and 10th installment for the series.
1: But they haven't made them yet.
0: Well, they released Spiral.
1: Uh, That's a good point.
0: This is technically the 8th film. Spiral is the ninth film. And if I remember correctly, I did hear not too long ago that the production company just... Announced that they were in the process of scheduling production for a 10th Saw film. Okay. So there will be a 10th Saw film possibly coming out in the next two years. I don't know what it's about. I kind of wish they weren't making it, but here we are, 2023. Well, well, they have to. They don't have to.
1: They greenlit it.
0: I don't think they have to. I think we could have ended it here and it would have been fine. I mean, again, not my favorite film of the franchise, but I feel like this could have been a good ending. Just end it now while you're ahead. Do you have any final thoughts on Jigsaw?
1: I want to break free. Okay. I mean, other than that, no, it's a, it's, it's a good ending. Okay. To everything that they've done.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it is intriguing. And, yeah, just kind of want to see what the else they're going to do with the rest of the series.
0: I really... Really do wish they would stop making these. I mean, don't get me wrong. This entire time, I've been advocating that these Saw films are really fucking good for what they are. Most of them are hits. Some of them are misses, in -hmm. my opinion.
1: There's a lot of misses, but yeah.
0: Well, you haven't seen all of them. I could see them. My point is, is that I think that this is a good franchise. It's definitely somewhere in my top ten right now. And I personally think that these first eight that we've covered so far are pretty good unless i do see spiral anytime soon like i said we probably will eventually do a review once we've watched it Mm -hmm. but i think that these seven so far are pretty good yeah
1: i think it's cool for what it is Mm -hmm. you know especially for what they've done especially in the horror community Mm mm-hmm you know the reputation that they have so yeah i really have no much of an opinion other than that because i really didn't watch them all so other than that cool if people like it that's awesome that's you know that's their choice right so yeah so i think we've covered mostly what we need to do
0: i think maybe next week we'll do like i said we'll just do an episode going over all the different traps and maybe ranking our top five okay Does that sound fair
1: that sounds very fair okay yeah, so I'm down for that. Cool. So yeah, Brother other than that, this has been an episode of the Abbey Normal Podcast. Thank you for listening to us.
0: We did see Knock at the Cabin recently.
1: Yes, actually, yes, we did. So How did we
0: feel about Knock at the Cabin?
1: That was a lot to decompress. Yeah. See, this is why I don't m- watch a really like super intense <laughs> movies like that because it makes me feel weird after I get done watching them. It makes me like... I want to decompress for a long time. And that's what it felt like watching Knock in the Cabin. But it was very good. I enjoyed it though.
0: Yeah, Knock in the Cabin was very intense. It was pretty bleak for the majority of the movie, but I thought it was still pretty good. And I gotta say, I will I like I know M. Night Shyamalan has again it his movies are hit or miss. You never know what kind of stuff he's gonna come out with. And I know that he doesn't have the best track record with putting out good movies. I will say that this one was really good. Again, yeah. it's intense. It tells a really good story. I think that, personally, Dave Bautista's best performance so far. You, mean, you like Dave Bautista, right?
1: Yeah, I like Batista. I mean, from his days of being a professional wrestler in WWE and mm. then going into acting and doing these like kind of silly roles he's done like especially with Drax and everything and him wanting to get out of Marvel to actually finally do some stuff that seems like good for him to do like he wants to do stuff that's not so funny so that's why he chose to do Knock at the Cabin because it was such a different type of versatile movie that he wasn't used to doing so him doing something like this seemed good because it not only showed the intimidating side of him but it also showed a compassionate side
0: yeah and that's definitely what the character that he portrays is originally based off of because the movie itself is based off of a book called the cabin at the end of the world by paul g tremblay and it's really It's kind of the same premise, you know, this gay men married with an adopted daughter are going on vacation in a cabin in a remote location and they are approached by four strangers wielding strange weapons, all making these claims that the three of them have to choose one of their own to sacrifice to prevent the apocalypse. And I'm not going to get too far into it now because we might do a review at some point later on, Mm -hmm. but... I will say this is really good, and like you said, Dave Bautista's role in this is really great. And I like that, that they casted him for this particular role, because Leonard, in the book, is supposed to be an intimidating character based off of his size alone, but he is a very compassionate and gentle person. And it's very interesting to watch Dave Bautista play this role in this film. I mean, he is a very, very interesting-looking character, And he portrays that compassion from Leonard really well. And I liked that the camera shots that were used to not only show the story in a pretty well pace, it also foreshadowed quite a few things that were going to happen in the movie, and it played on that fact that leonard is a big intimidating guy by incorporating shots that hyper focused on that because again it's like you can't forget that just because this man is being compassionate to his captives doesn't mean he doesn't have the potential to harm them yeah even though it's not in his nature to harm people yeah you know what i mean i like that they played on that idea anything else you want to touch on
1: no i mean i think we're good yeah so you want to sign off
0: you're giving me the power to sign off on an episode? Sure. Bye.
1: That is a horrible <laughs> sign off. You know what? Screw it. I'm not, never having you do that again. <laughs> anyway. So this has been a fun episode. I'm glad you all listened. And stay tuned to the next one. And this is the Abby Norrell si- uh, Podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm your host, Colin. And I'm Leah. Signing off saying I have really big quads.
0: Good for you. As always, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. We are currently on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Be sure to give us a like, subscribe, or a nice review for our podcast. It helps boost our show positively. You can also follow us on Instagram and now on TikTok.